time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. It's time for another edition of the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. Thanks for being with us today. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Glenn Mosseller, who is the founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting and a registered financial consultant serving you in Greensboro and the surrounding communities as well. Glenn has an office on Mears Chapel Road in Greensboro. And Glenn, thanks for joining us this week. Things good in your world? They are, Walter. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, good to talk to you as well. Always enjoy hosting the podcast with you each week, and we have another great topic to cover. We're going to be talking about two things, but they go hand in hand on this week's show. We're going to talk first about the different types of risk that savers for retirement end up facing. And this really doesn't even cover all the risks that are out there, but some of the key ones. And then how that plays into diversification and what does diversification really mean. We'll uncover all of that on today's podcast. So let's first of all talk about those risks, Glenn, and uh, I'll identify the type of risk that people need to be aware of, and and you give us the skinny on these things. Uh, First of which is market risk, probably relatively self-explanatory, but give us the details on what we need to be aware of when it comes to market risk. Well, Walter, I mean, again, when when we're thinking about um, either being in retirement or getting ready to transition into retirement, we have to be thinking about how much market risk do we want to be taking? And, um, you know, and, and also thinking in terms of in that diversification, maybe we have a certain portion of our money set aside that we're going to take a little bit more risk with. Maybe that's a little bit of longer term money. But we really have to think in terms of, you know, we, we can't necessarily take all of the ups and all of the downs. Of course, everybody wants all of the ups. But nobody wants to ever have their value of their account come down. But as we all know, that you know, as, as the market goes, you know, there, there are corrections. And so we need to put in place ways of protecting ourselves against the downside risk. And that really is a, is a major th- theme that, that you've got to think about throughout your retirement years. Because you know, when, you're, when you're saving for retirement and you're not taking any money out, you, know, you always have more time, right? But, you know, as as you start thinking about taking money out, you might have a long retirement of, you know, at 20 or 30 years. But at the same time, when you're taking money out and if values go down, then you start to deplete your resources much faster. And over time, that can really play a toll when you have multiple market corrections throughout that 20 or 30 year time frame. So the idea is, is that the, that that market risk, we've got to make sure that we're kind of limiting that because we want to make sure that everything lasts. Yeah, I think it's a huge issue. Very many people overlook the particular market risk that they face, and it's always going to be a big one that impacts a lot of us, especially if you are in the market. It's going to really impact you. As we're talking about that, Walter, you know, I mean, to amplify that, what we were just talking about, you know, we, we have this thing that everybody's always taught when they're putting money away and they're talking about dollar cost averaging, right? Where if when the market goes down, you're able to put more money in and buy more shares at lower prices. You know, that's kind of a common theme about the, the saving years. But when you transition and you're in and actually when you're taking money out, it's a double edged sword. And I like to call it reverse dollar cost averaging. Because what ends up happening is, is the markets go down when you're taking money out. You're actually having to sell more shares 
you know, when you're when you're at lower prices, and that is the actual reverse, and that can really just you know limit you dramatically, and it's really something that you have to look at and understand. It ties into another thing that's called you know sequence of return risk, and it really you know we have to make sure that you're you're not really exposed to lots and lots of risk because it's it's really it's going to deplete your resources dramatically fast, and not something that you would normally be aware of as you you know when you were in your saving years. It's a great example of one of the many risks that you face. That's market risk. And another one, Glenn, that impacts all of us, whether or not we're in the market, is going to be inflation risk. And uh, we're all facing that one, uh, maybe not as, as much in the most recent years, but it's going to come back again. Yeah, I mean, in, inflation is is <laughs> it's kind of that silent tax, right? I mean, yeah. you know, as as things cost more, you know, your dollars don't last as long. You hear the old saying that um, your money will never be worth more than it is today, right? And, and the idea is is that tomorrow's dollars are worth less than today's dollars. You know, you know that by just going into the store. You know, you think about what could you buy in the store ten years ago, and you know, if you take those, you know, the, those same dollars to the store today, you you don't don't quite end up with as much, do you? No, no, you don't. Uh, and you you lose buying power, and it's kind of a hard thing, Glenn, for I think the average person to get a grasp on because we view buying power as a very you know in the moment kind of thing, and it's kind of hard to put yourself. 20, 30 years in the future to think about what things are going to cost. But all you have to do is look to the past to really put things in perspective. You know, what was the price of buying a home or a car just 20, 30 years ago? Totally different story compared to what it is today. So you just kind of have to, I, I guess, embrace that shock and then apply that to your future. And keep in mind that inflation risk is going to be something that we all deal with. And, and, and so the solution, right, Glenn, is that we've got to keep up with inflation. We have to outpace it or at least keep up with it with certain parts of our portfolio. Well, that, that's exactly right, and that really comes into play. And when you're when we're talking about income planning, and and you know, and how do we draw money out, and where do we draw it from, and and how do we structure that so that we make sure that the money does last through the entire uh, you know retirement years, and that's something that a lot of folks really don't think a lot about. You know, you, Social Security has some. Uh, cost of living increases. But if you have a pension, most pensions don't have a cost of living increase. And so you've got to factor that in when you're thinking about, you know, well, how, how am I going to be taking income, especially, you know, 10 or 15 years from now? And am I going to be able to live at the same standard of living? Or am I going to have to, you know, change things around? Or, you know, or is there a way of making sure that uh, my future income grows? And, and that's all part of that, that, um, that income planning conversation and, and, and plans that we, that we make. Such a huge uh, issue to deal with. That's inflation risk. Another one, Glenn, is interest rate risk. Define this one for us. Well, interest rate risk is, um, you know, it's something that's it's it's really in the news a lot now, right? Because we've we've had this, you know, thirty-year bull market in, in in bonds, right? I mean, that is as interest rates fall, the the value of, of bonds go up, and so. When the easiest way to think about that is is that let's say for instance if you were to buy a bond that was going to pay you five percent, and you know you can collect that five percent until maturity, and then you will you'll continue to get that five percent throughout that whole time. But let's say that you might have to sell that at some point that you need to raise cash and not just get that that yield on it. And so we we start thinking about well what happens if interest rates change. Well, if interest rates go down and they go down to four percent, 
then you're in a situation where if you were going to sell it in the open market and a new investor shows up and he says, hey, I, I want to buy a bond and you have one that, that is, is yielding five and, and the current market is yielding four, well, obviously yours is, yours is worth more and so you could sell it at a premium. On the other side of that coin, though, is, is that if interest rates rise, then you are going to have to sell it at a discount in order to you know, be in, in today's market. And you might actually take a, a loss on, on, that, on that bond if interest rates rise. So when we start looking at a rising interest rate environment that uh, looks like you know, may happen, and certainly there's a lot of prognosticators that are saying that, that we may well be in store for, for quite a rise in interest rates, well, you have to really position yourself and think about, you know, how, how am I going to deal with that in my retirement portfolio? So many different things that you've got to consider, especially when it comes to taking risk. There are many, many types that you are going to face as you approach and get into retirement. We're covering some of the top ones on today's show. You alluded to this one earlier, Glenn, and it's maybe the most important for a retiree or pre-retiree, and that's the longevity risk, which is always kind of funny to talk about because it's the danger of living too long, which sounds like a good thing, but something we've got to keep in mind. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, obviously we want to live a long life, particularly if we have our health, but we also want to make sure that our money lasts, right? And that's the one of those tricky things. It's, it's like, how do you know how long you're going to live and how long do you, you know, how long is your spouse going to live? I mean, nobody really knows the answer to that. And so when we're thinking about how do we make sure that we're protected, we obviously need to, first thing we need to say, okay, well, what's a reasonable spending plan, you know, or, or an income plan? And then those two go hand in hand. And so in making sure that money lasts, we have to always think in terms of how long do we think we're going to live? And we want to overestimate that rather than underestimate that. You know, it's always one of those things. My mother used to say, you, you know, you'd rather make sure that you have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And, and, and that really comes into play when we're talking about longevity risk. And, and so we have to position ourselves in such a way that, that our money will last. And we have to take into account the fact that, that people are living longer and longer. And as technology and medicine improves, that's going to continue on. Yeah, it's so interesting to see, you know, the different strategies and ways that you can combat longevity risk. There are a lot of plans and strategies that you can employ, but you have to find the right one for you. And we'll talk a little bit more about that through the podcast. And and one more risk that we should cover here, Glenn, is tax rate risk. Uh, Tax is always going to be in the picture. Well, you're exactly right, Walter. And I mean, that's tax rate risk, legislative risk, you know, how can things change? You know, tax law is not set in stone. I mean, it changes through time. And, and almost anybody you talk to will tell you that they're paying too much in taxes. I think almost everybody feels that way. The, the sad reality, though, is, is that when we look at, you know, historical tax rates, we're at pretty low rates in, in, in comparison to, you know, if you, if you go back into the, you know, the, the 50s and, and, and 60s, some of those, the, the highest rates were up around 90%. And so when we're looking at today's tax rates, the top rate being, you know, close to 40% and not really that many people being at that high rate, we have to think about, well, what happens in the future? If we've got money that is uh, pre-tax money that we set aside in maybe a 401k or an IRA, and we have to take that out over time. We, we look at our balance and we go, oh, okay, we've got so much money in our account. But we also have to realize that a percentage of that money is not really yours, right? Because it has to go to Uncle Sam in, in the form of taxes and, and also to your state. So we have to think in terms, well, what if tax rates rise? 
And if tax rates rise, or maybe they change the threshold of how much income you have to have, you know, before you, you know, go to the next tax bracket up, you know, if those things start to shift, then suddenly you are in a place where, you know, maybe your your account doesn't have as much money that's yours as you thought. And so we have to be thinking about that in terms of our tax planning and what monies that we draw from first and which ones we try to delay. And, you know, let that be part of our overall retirement and, and income plan. Well, Glenn, all of these different risks kind of tie into the conversation of diversification. And the funny thing is, you know, we can define these risks, but then you flip the page to diversification and you get different definitions depending on who you talk to about what diversification really looks like. So let's start there. What does a truly diversified portfolio look like in your eyes? Well, the thing is, we have to think in terms of when we're when we're in retirement or transitioning to, we need to think about diversification, not just in, in terms of our risk assets, but in what those asset classes might be. But we also have to think in terms of, you know, the diversification of, you know, of, of how our accounts are. You know, do we have some taxable accounts or tax deferred accounts? Are there any tax free accounts? That's a form of diversification, as well as, as, you know, whether or not we have some money that has more liquidity and possibly has more upside potential versus some money that ha- might be tied up for a longer period of time, but it's going to be your foundational money that's going to you know, give you that income through time. So all of those things play into what diversification really means. And it's, it's not exactly what you might have thought, because there's lots of ways to think about diversification. And just like we were talking about how you position your money during your savings years versus your retirement years, we have to think in terms of what diversification actually means when you're in your retirement years, because it's not really the same thing, you know, that they are either because retirement is one thing and saving is another. And so we really have to put everything into the proper context. And that's 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 critically important. You really have to factor that in and you need to make sure that you're on the same page as your advisor is as far as that goes. And you want to make sure that that you all are able to have those good conversations and then revisit those conversations because the market conditions change. Your needs change. Everything changes through time. So you have to always you know revisit and rethink and just make sure that what you're doing now makes sense for 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 where you're going. Why do you think there's that disconnect out there where so many people think they're diversified, but they actually aren't when you start you know, digging into it? Well, I mean, what ends up happening is a lot of times, you know, let's say, for instance, you look in somebody's portfolio and they might have all individual stocks. They might have a whole lot of them or maybe they've got a, you know, a number of mutual funds. But a lot of times, you know, if you've got a whole lot of stocks, in, in a way, you might just have the, the equivalent of one big mutual fund. And so, you know, if you think in terms of that and you have if the markets, you know, go into a correction, we all know what happens. You know, I mean, it's like the the you know, as the market starts to roll over, you know, there's some there's some companies that will perform better than others. But a lot of times, you know, even if a company's doing well, the value of their of their underlying stock doesn't perform well because it's just the market is having difficulties. And so you, you just because you own a lot of different things doesn't necessarily mean that you're diversified. They might might be in the same asset class and they might be exposed to the same type of risk. And I like to think in terms of diversifying your risk versus you know just just in terms of you know what what is this invested in and what is that invested in. A whole lot of a variety of investments doesn't necessarily mean that you have proper diversification. 
We're talking with Glenn Mosseller on today's podcast about risks and diversification. And Glenn, maybe you can give us a, a good example here of a client who fell into that category of you know, not being well diversified. How did you actually reveal it to them and help them you know, solve that, that scenario? Well, one of the main things we do, Walter, is, is when we're in our discovery process, we take a look at their current portfolio and we put it through a stress test and we look at it and say, well, how would these investments that you're currently holding, how would they have performed in past bear markets? If we look back to 2008, let's say, and we look at actually how did they go and you go through you know their their, their top holdings and lo and behold as they, they well, I had no idea I had that much risk and so you know that that's really a key thing is is to, is to really do that analysis and take a look and see and obviously you also want to do some do some soul searching in terms of how much risk you really want to take on and what you're comfortable with and then also match that against what is realistic the amount of resources that you've saved so if your risk tolerance is one thing, but maybe you're willing to take more risk and now you're in retirement, but if you take that much risk and if you have a loss, that might really get in the way of, of making sure that your money lasts. So we've got to really look at all that whole picture and say, hey, is my diversification proper in terms of my risk level? And if, do, I have, do I have realistic goals in terms of how much risk I can really take? Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I can see how the planning process can be designed to first uncover problems and issues, and then step two, fix those problems and issues. And, uh, you know, w w what has gone into the creation of your process at Roadmap Financial Consulting? And, you know, how many, you know, people, not to, you know, give an exact number here, but I mean, how, how many folks are coming through the doors each week, you know, getting this kind of guidance and, and, and advice? Because I, I think some people think, oh, well, this, this isn't for me, or my, my situation is so unique, you probably can't help me like you do other people. But I'm imagining every situation you face is, is going to be unique and have, you know, these different uh, answers and strategies that can be used. Well, they are, Walter. And I mean, realistically, I mean, I, I always say, you know, no matter who you are, you know, you always want to have a plan, right? And you always want to ha have arrived at that plan with um, more than just your own thoughts, particularly if you're if you're thinking in terms of you're going to have a 20 to 30 year time frame to make your to make your plan work. And so it's 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 a good thing to sit down. I mean, just because somebody you know comes into the office and, and sits down and we have a conversation, they may or may not become a client. What we're really trying to figure out is is you know number one is does their plan that they currently have make sense and can it be improved? And that you know if if they're looking for some you know some additional help, you know are we a good fit? You know, and sometimes we are, and sometimes we're not, and and that's okay. And you know, and 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 I'm really just want to make sure that if we, if we sit down together, you know, that I try to serve the folks needs when they come in and let's find out if there's an opportunity for both of us to to benefit and if there is then then we're going to continue to have conversation and if there's not then then that's okay we'll you know we'll shake hands at the end of the meeting and and hopefully we both learn something from it well again i'll give you the opportunity to get in touch with glenn mosseller if you found today's conversation particularly engaging here on the podcast and you want to talk further with Glenn and delve into the specifics of maybe your own situation, you can do that by calling him at 336-291-3535. That's 336-291-3535. 
888-345-3535 or online you can visit greensbororetirement.com that's greensbororetirement.com and Glenn can help you uh, you know online and several tools and resources online that you can use and you can schedule a time to meet there as well greensbororetirement.com or call 336-291-3535 Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. This has been the Retirement Roadmap.